The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I can hear one of my dogs upstairs and it sounds like they're getting into something they shouldn't. And I'm just going to let it happen. This is the Homance Chronicles and I'm Sarah. <laughs> and I'm Nicole. <laughs> Hopefully it's that been... doesn't turn into a regrettable vet bill later. Yeah, she'll be fine. <laughs> I didn't put, I didn't move anything since the last time I've been here. So she'll be okay. Oh man, how's it going? Hello. Going just dandy. I um did a lot of TV watching. Did you know the weekend? And you know? um, well, I you know what? I actually had a mix of uh, experiences. I left the house two nights in a row. Sure, okay. And then that meant that I had to you know take a break from peopling on Sunday, and mm. um, just you know was running through shows. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, My, so what'd you, what'd you watch? Um, uh, the new Michelle Boto, Boto, yeah, Boto, um, show on Netflix, Survival of the Thickest. Mm. Um, I saw that. What are your upfront thoughts? Cliff note. Maybe. Uh, I mean, it was cute. It's kind of, you know, it's girly and okay. I could make some depictions to the connections to her real life experiences. Okay. Um, I like some of the messages. Um, I like her just in general. So, um, it was good. It was, it was cutesy. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Cause I was like, Hmm, this could go one of two ways. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, uh, good old Temptation Island. Oh is yeah, back on oh, Peacock. Fuck yeah! And I just got a note for an email from Peacock from Xfinity saying I'm eligible for Peacock Premium, and I'm like, fucking bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> got the weird shit on it. I love. Yeah, uh, I think it's like five or six episodes. Um, I also continued on the peacock train and was watching uh project runway all stars <laughs> oh wow i haven't watched a project what runway since the 90s early 2000s i feel like 90s is way way too far away it is i don't i think it's been about 20 seasons yeah so like so probably three i was gonna say like season let's see that feels like the 90s because that's when i graduated high school oh <sighs> anyway yeah it was like maybe season four is when i dropped off too much too much yeah and um say that now the most surprising of them all that hooked me in on the trashy reality tv train (laughs) is called claim to fame oh no what's this it's on um, ABC or Hulu. And Kevin and Frankie Jonas host it. So like the least two popular Jonas brothers. And <laughs> they're not great at it. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was just kind of a gimme, I'm pretty sure. 
there are there's a house full of celebrities relatives oh i'm reading the synopsis now oh my god they have to try to guess who each other's like celebrity person is through series of challenges and games and clues and whatnot so there is um some strategies some luck uh there's also just the the sheer fun of watching people like spin out (laughs) yeah don't go to wikipedia if you don't want spoilers spoiler alert uh yeah i mean some people they they tell you up front who their celebrity person is but some others they hold on to them for quite some time like there was one where i got frustrated and i had to google because i'm like we're on like episode six just tell me already oh my god (laughs) i'm not telling you you motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) So there's actually two seasons of it and um, I'm on season one and I honestly turned it on as one of those things that you could have in the background that you don't really have to pay attention oh, to. you did it to yourself again. You thought for one fucking second, all that bullshit wasn't going to just, it's, you have to, you're in a new era. Okay. You're in a new <laughs> stage of your life where this drama is going to be intriguing as fuck. And it's going to pull you away from anything else because your life could be much worse. Hmm. I mean, their life's not bad, to be honest. I mean, for that example, not the greatest, but you know what I mean. Like, I got (laughs) stuck watching fucking Hoarders again this weekend because I was like, oh, oh, it could be so much worse. (laughs) Hoarders is one where I can turn it on and not pay attention. Yeah, because it's like, I don't know. Yeah, all the houses look the same, but I don't even necessarily need to know what the people look like either nope i don't and so that is one that i could turn on and i will still do other things but claim to fame sucked me in (laughs) so hard and so unexpectedly (laughs) i mean i can't wait to watch it can't wait to watch (laughs) all right you ready you ready for this i am ready all right so do you know the bill hater meme that's been going around where he's dancing mm-hmm. and there's that song mm-hmm. so that's actually um her name is miriam makeba she's a real lady okay and that, and that song was created in 2018 or maybe earlier than that for like a levi's commercial so yes it's a very famous little song at the moment and it's a little flash in the pan but she was actually like a pretty incredible lady so i'm gonna cover miriam makaba today aka mother africa mama africa i fucked it up already yeah well the i mean was it a full-length song or is it just being used as a jingle it's i i don't i think it's a full-length song and this is where i was more interested in her music than i was the song about her (laughs) (laughs) but um so the the song itself was written as a full-length song i believe but um the song is about miriam makaba who was born in south africa on march 4th 1932 
and she left us in November of 2008. So just a few things. Um, the, she was the first vocalist to take African music internationally in the 1960s with a song called Pada Pada. So everybody stop listening to us. Go YouTube it right now. You absolutely know it. You've heard it in some way, shape, or form. If you haven't, just sit and listen. It's such a good song. You're absolutely going to fall in love. And when you're done, just come back over. We'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you, you gotta, you just gotta, you gotta. So um, her full name is something I'm probably going to butcher. So apologies in advance. Zenzayel Miriam Makaba. Uh, she was born the same year as my grandma, 1932, March 4th. And either Nelspruit outside of Johannesburg, it was a union of South Africa, she was born to parents who are from two different tribes, the Swazi and Hosha, I think it is, um, during an economic depression. Her mother was a Sangoma or an herbal medicine slash divination practitioner. So she was well in tune with healing and, and trying to like, you know, make people better in tune with her own body, et cetera. Um, she was also a domestic worker because in that era they had to work they couldn't just hang out and do their thing anymore so she was actually brewing illegal beer to meet ends meet or make ends meet and um she was actually put into prison for it she ended up taking miriam to jail with her when she was only 18 days old no shit wow off the rip (laughs) literally out the tube if you will that's wild i don't yes. know i i mean i was gonna say i don't know how you would accommodate a baby in jail but if she was in poverty and it's that era they might not have had diapers no i don't think i don't know i mean that's they probably didn't have a lot of the the creature things. comforts that we yeah. think that we need nowadays right oh, yeah yeah. So she was like, I've got tits and this will work. She'll get this fed. is going to work. Yep. So, yeah, I can't, like this story. I it took me several sources to find a bunch of information, but there's so much that goes into it. Like I couldn't let myself go into those crazy rabbit holes because I did think like, God, what did I even what was it like? But we didn't <laughs> go there. So, <laughs> so um, her father was actually a clerk at a Shell oil station, but he. <laughs> Guess what? Passed away when she was about five and she was sent to live with grandmama at a compound in Riverside, Pretoria. So she loved to sing at church and she did a lot of her performances there. Um, She had her first solo during the 1947 royal visit when she was only 15 years old. So like when they were colonizing South Africa, the royalty came down and was like, oh, look at all these, you know sweet black people and oh poor view and oh i'm gonna go to your church and see what you guys do at your church and so she was actually able to sing for them and it was solo so it's pretty big deal um then she ended up going to work with her mother to help her earn a living by cleaning houses so short-lived in the church era but she didn't stop singing she definitely kept going there um in like 1948 or 9 she was married to james coupe for the first time it was only a two two year long relationship, and he was supposedly beating her. 
So when you um, say for the first time, are you meaning her first marriage or that yeah. she married him later? No, just, yeah, the former. <laughs> She's not that much of a mess. I was like, the way you said it, though, it made me think that yeah. she was marrying him for the first time, <laughs> not getting married for the first time. Yeah, I can see where the drama we typically go into would lead to that confusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, during that time, also, she gave birth to her only child, Bongai Makiba, B-O-N-G-I. Hopefully I said it right. If not, sorry. Um, she was also just as musically inclined as her mother, and she would absolutely follow in her footsteps. Um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer at this time as well. <laughs> wow. Had a lot going on. Uh, and that's really kind of the era where she started to like the fifties is really where she started to sing and gain like local notoriety. So she was living in Sophia town which was considered a place where races were able to mix with no issue. And some reports I found others um, said that it's not so much the case. It was very um, segregated. There is a term that is used for segregation in South Africa. It's called apparat or or apartheid. Apartheid. So I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but that is the common theme throughout the politics in her era. It's segregation. It's what South African segregation looked like with their minority white government running, you know, the black nation. So mm-hmm. um, she started to sing in her cousin's band, the Cuban brothers. And then she actually like jumped ship and started really building a reputation with the band, the Manhattan brothers in 54 she actually toured South Africa, Zimbabwe, and the Congo with the band until 1957. Um, she was also featured on the front of Drum Magazine at that time. But where's uh, her daughter and husband? Well, you said her husband only lasted two years. Where's the yeah. daughter? She was with grandma, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Because um, she doesn't really make another appearance until the 60s. So either she was along for the ride or hanging out with grandma. So, uh, once grandma got out of jail, right? No, mom was in jail with Makiba. Grandma was fine. Wait. Oh, you're right. Yep. That's grandma. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time today. Just functioning. I can't even do like normal human math, let alone. I'm like, wait, I'm like, grandma did go to jail. Yep. That's the daughters. Yeah. Uh Anyway. <laughs> yes, when she got out of jail, which I believe she was out of jail, she was cleaning houses with mom like not too long afterwards. So mom was around. Um, she also met Nelson Mandela, which is very important, who was actually a young lawyer at the time. He later remarked at one point that meeting her, uh, she was going to be someone. So like he noted that she was definitely somebody to take take um interest in and just kind of keep an eye on. She had the it factor. She sure the fuck did. <laughs> um, she, after sang for an all-women's group, the Skylarks, and eventually p- appeared in a few films. One was called Come Back to Africa, which was an anti-apartheid film, which was, again, where uh, she started, not again, it's when she started to kind of appear in the politic world and her music world kind of collided with it. And she was a female lead in Todd Mash- 
Mash Kinzia's King Kong in 1959. So she became relevant, I guess you could say, through film and music, and then started to utilize her reputation um, and became globally recognized when the films became globally popular. So they were successful in South Africa and uh, they would play in South Africa and avoided the laws by playing them in universities and other areas. So like I said, she was at that point at a global level, she was recognized. Um, She was actually flown to Venice for a film festival in 1959 for her small part and come back to Africa so she could personally receive the award for her performance. She ended up performing there and in London as well. And that's where she met Harry Belafonte, which is a very famous name. Look him up. Um, He had actually been a fan and supposedly went with intent to meet her. Um, he He ended up becoming a mentor and colleague and eventually helped her immigrate to New York City in November of 59. So, um... She ended up having to stay in New York because South Africa declined her passport. They were like, nah, you can't come back right now. That's cool. Huh. They, weren't, they weren't cool with her being outspoken. So I was going to say, at some point, she must have learned how to speak English. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that English was thrown in the mix as she was being raised because of the white um government she had to learn it so um she she ended up having her daughter fly out in new york city to new york city with her in the 60s um it was so it was in 1960 when there was the sharpville massacre which i didn't look too much into it it made me sad just thinking about the name so i have to assume there was a lot of awful things that happened and two of her uncles or family members were murdered during that time she was also at that point a pretty outspoken critic of the government uh, in south africa and she um at that point released her uh what's it called her first studio album Miriam Makaba. Okay. So the Sharpville massacre. Uh, <laughs> the gist is that there were seven thousand black protesters outside of a police station. Okay. And they were protesting anti-black laws. Mm-hmm. Um. So. So there you can imagine gives you what an happened. Idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. There. Before the massacre, there were apparently 10,000 Africans who were removed from Sharpville. Okay, that would make sense. So when you talk about like the segregation, like it really stems from that. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's why I didn't look too far into it. Bums me out. The fuck. So she also lost her mother during that time. And unfortunately, when she tried to return to the country again, she found her passport had been revoked. So... I mean, are they just like you're a traitor because you went to the U.S.? Like, no, she deal? was a traitor because she was speaking out at a global level against their policies and laws that they were putting in oh. place to colonize the country. So it seems illegal to. That's not when it's an African law. You know what I mean? Like, it's just bullshit. It's just a bunch of fuck up assholes making shit up and then telling her you can't do that. I just, ooh, it made me so mad. So. Yeah. In, I guess they don't have amendments in. No. 
So in the 60s, she was in the US and she literally blew up overnight. Um, she actually ended up singing for the US president John F. Kennedy Kennedy's birthday at Madison Square Garden. And she didn't feel well after, so she didn't go to the party, but Kennedy refused. He wanted to meet her. He insisted. So uh, Belafonte sent a car to pick her up so she could go meet the fucking president. She also had admirers like Mar- Marlo Brandon, Betty Davis, Nina Simone, and Miles Davis. So she had acquired quite the following at this time. So her you know, first album was really starting to take off. So as she's gaining notoriety and she's starting to, again, be more into the politic world, she testified at the United Nations about the effects of the, the government in South Africa and asked for sanctions against the nation's party. The government is so pissed at this point, they ban her music and her from the country. She was the first Black musician to leave South Africa on account of the government, and she was exiled and her passport was not removed. removed renewed for the better part of three fucking decades three decades this woman was exiled from her own country they probably blacklisted her as a traitor oh absolutely a hundred percent absolutely i mean the people that are coming up in the ranks or replacing those officers or whoever put it in place is just looking at it as she's this extreme dangerous threat Mm mm-hmm yeah, 100%. It was all, it just makes me sick. So she's in America. <laughs> she meets a guy named Hugh Mescala. He was actually in the first King Kong film with her as a co star. They ended up divorcing about two years later, but they stayed pretty close professionally. Um, he was also uh, Belafonte's protege. So they were definitely like in the music world together mixing it up you know in 1965 and 66 she and harry belafonte recorded an evening with harry belafonte and they received a grammy award for best folk recording for it um i don't believe she was the first black woman to receive um that kind of an award but it was definitely an accomplishment you know so well, yeah that made her pretty mainstream i'd say yeah well yeah because then in 67 she was the first black woman to have a top 10 worldwide hit with pata pata in 19 in 1967 so again if you haven't stopped us and gone and listened to it yet please go listen to it you're gonna love it it's gonna be on repeat i promise <laughs> So she's also at this time claiming like she's not an activist or you know what I mean? She's real blase about everything. And she also noticed that black women were starting to emulate her look because she was natural beauty. Um, So she was influencing all different arenas while she was climbing the charts. So in 1968, she married Stokely Carmichael who is a Black Panther party leader. So due to that, the white Americans let her go. They let her tank. They were not interested in her anymore. And then while she was traveling, the U.S. banned her and him from coming back to the country. So again, they're both banned from coming into a country and she's got to find a new fucking home. 
So they end up in Guinea. <laughs> I was like, so Switzerland. Neutralist <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh, neutralist of neutral territories <laughs> because everywhere else on opposite sides thinks that they are terrorists. <laughs> exactly. So she and Carmichael were uh, going around Guinea. She was there and became, uh, she was appointed the official delegate of the UN for Guinea at one point. So like she was actually going and um, to the United Nations and, and pleading with them still and bringing awareness to the table and asking for them for fairness and she was also um, involved in a lot of the other movements for the Black culture. Um, and so she was traveling around, making um, a name for herself in the political realm. And all of it was for the betterment of her own people. But in 78, she and Carmichael actually got a divorce. She moved to Belgium. Weird, but not far off from Switzerland. <laughs> 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 an inch your way to neutral territory yeah um and she continued to record and toured around africa at that time um while she was actively touring in the 70s and then in the 80s she was still actively touring and she was performing in places that were like trade union halls the like museums and institutions and other small stages including jazz festivals um she was battling alcohol excuse me abuse at this time she got uh, a hysterectomy because she had cervical cancer oh my god and her, and her daughter passed away under tragic circumstances which i could not find um she was also in in the works with um recording studios at the time and there was a situation where she had a catalog that she would receive royalties on because her manager sold it to an actual recording company. I didn't have the full deets, so I'm, you know, going through it lightly. Don't take my word for all of this. Google it yourself. Um, and so she would receive royalties if it was played, but it was only sold to South Africa. So she actually didn't receive any money for her fucking music, which is ignorant. Um, yeah, this is yeah. this is rough. Yeah right you're, i mean you're rolling through this very quickly and i'm still processing that she's you're had telling cancer me. a second time i'm just like wait 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 i know you're telling me jesus and like the crazy thing is all the places with the exception of wikipedia like they all had just a really light run over of everything so you know i wasn't trying to fully uh, do the wikipedia report but there well, a, a I, it's, of... it sounds like she didn't actually have a lot of connections or ways to even document this. I mean. Right. I don't... Yeah. Yeah. But OK, so um, in 1987, she joined Paul Simon's highly successful Graceland tour to the newly independent Zimbabwe. The concert featured multicultural sounds and actually drew more attention to the racist policies than ever before. 
they were still dealing with them in South Africa, even though it was technically violating the cultural boycott of South Africa. So like at one point, South Africans were like, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm not going to bring my culture back to this place. You guys have ruined it. But it kind of like revamped a little bit. Um, she ended up co-authoring her autobiography in 1988. And the... Um, I think it was released globally, if I remember correctly. In 1990, Nelson Mandela, who was actually just released from prison, actually encouraged her to return to South Africa. And um, she ended up eventually getting there. She was there in 1990 or 1991, I think. But after the Graceland tour, she went on to perform for like the heads of states. She even actually performed for the Pope after that, which is pretty remarkable if you ask me. The actual Pope in Italy? The fucking actual Pope in Italy. Wow. Yeah. Because she was like, I would say maybe not to put her in any way, shape or form to compare her and Nelson Mandela, but I think that because he was a male, his historic story and his everything that he had going on was more popular than hers because she's a woman honestly but she had just as much well i'm effort. just i'm still thinking about how her home country is continuing to disown her but the pope's like yeah she's all right yeah right i mean it's <laughs> always a weird catch 22 with them isn't it <laughs> so um in 91 she officially in 1990 1991 she officially returns after like 31 years in exile and be actually became a goodwill ambassador for south africa for the united nations so things are starting to shift um she really had a hard time at that point finding people to collaborate with her and music but in um 1997 i believe she released her album homecoming in her tour appeared in the movie mama by um veronica Hete Doomb. So in then in 98, she toured Africa, US, and Europe, and she sold out everything. Theaters, concert halls. Oh my God, August. Come on, bud. Um she had people want to make documentaries about her and like, you know, exaggerate things here and there. She received honorary doctorates from local and international academic institutions. The city of Berkeley proclaimed the 16th of June to be Miriam Makaba Day, and she has received the highest decoration from Tunisia, <laughs> which if you guys don't know, it's in Africa, so respect. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then in 1999, Nelson Mandela actually presented her with the presidential award. So she's doing her thing, living her best life. Cut to 2005, Makaba announces her retirement from the music industry, but she continued to make appearances and do little performances here and there. Um, she really at, at some point shifted into all of her stuff being very political. So when um, it came down to like the end of her career, she was like, I'm not really a political singer. I don't know what that word means. I'm going to just quote it actually. So 
I'm not a political singer. I don't know what that word means. People, I think, consciously decide to tell the world what was happening in South Africa. No, I was singing about my life. And, and in South Africa, we always sang about what was happening to us, especially the things that hurt us. So for her, she was definitely involved in that because it was her life. And that's how it was, you know, it was impacting her. She wasn't trying to make money off of it. She was just trying to like bring awareness. And like I said earlier, help mm-hmm. her people. So um, the way that every artist does, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, truly, <laughs> I, I mean, how many like country singers do we hear about them having a pickup on a dirt road? Like it's the same thing. Like it's your surroundings, your environment, how you're right. influenced. <laughs> right. Exactly. It just so happens to be that she shined a mirror back in people's faces because she was just exposing how she was being treated. Yep. So she did have a couple of foundations, maybe one, maybe two, Um, but she continued humanitarian work through them. She had one called Zenzel Miriam Makaba Foundation, and it included a rehab center for the abused girls in Africa. She also supported the campaigns against drug abuse and HIV awareness. Again, as you can imagine, as things started to progress in that industry, politics that came with it, she was definitely at the front lines being like, hey, 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 wait a minute. No. So. um, So she ended up. uh, Let's see, she appeared as the president's goodwill ambassador to the U.N. from again from Africa. Um, and then on November 9th, 2008, she actually fell ill during a concert in Italy at Castile Volturno. Um, Where's the Pope when you need him? Right. So (laughs) she was actually invited and it was, um, an invitation from the writer Roberto Saviano who was an a stand against the Camorra, which was a criminal organization active in the uh, Campania region. So like very similar to what she was going through in her life, she went and was there in support. And she was actually singing her hit song, Pada Pada, when she had a heart attack. Oh no. Um, yeah. So she was taken to the clinic where doctors were unable to revive her. Damn. It's, it's remarkable to me. Like she was really putting her all into it. She literally died doing what she loved. So, um, she was, I did just do a quick Google because Mm -hmm. of course I put in P A D A like Mm. Pata Pata and that P A T A. Yeah. Yeah. Well with the D it shows up as Indian. Oh. With the T, it shows up as Miriam Makaba. But interesting little call out is that underneath her, I guess, underneath the first two videos, which is one that's a stereo version and one that's a live version, the third video that's listed here is the song with Fireboy DML, who mm. I think he's Nigerian. Anyway, he's an African um artist and he did the song peru with ed sheeran so now i'm like well 
are they just highlighting Fireboy DML because he's an African singer? Probably. Or was Pata Pata sampled? Samples. Guess we're going to have to listen and find out, huh? I know. Well, and Peru is like one of my favorite songs. Is it really? Yes. I did. I love it. Whenever I'm out of the country, if I'm in the Caribbean or like Mexico, (laughs) it's my go to request song. It gets everyone on the dance floor. You know how to get people on the floor. It's remarkable. You could be a (laughs) DJ. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Well, I did go to school for radio. I know, but the point is, you know how to get people to dance. (laughs) I know. Which is people's butts moving and moving. <laughs> yes. And sidebar, I was at the Ed Sheeran concert that was in Detroit um, over this past weekend, and he performed that song. But also, I witnessed the, um, we'll call it, iconic appearance by Eminem, who... I'm like not even like huge fan. I've seen Eminem in concert. It was right. probably 20 years ago. At um, Summer Sanitarium or something like that. <laughs> no, no, no. I saw him at like Comerica Park with 50 Cent. And I think oh, I saw him again somewhere else. Maybe the Palace or Ford Field or something. But um, I have never witnessed in a, a stadium with a crowd that loud. Oh, yeah. It was insane. These people were going mental. Yeah, you're in Detroit. Duh. I, but it was on another level of how (laughs) excited people were to see Eminem come out and do two old songs with Ed Sheeran. That's so funny. It was a moment. I imagine so. I imagine I would have been like, holy shit, this is crazy. (laughs) I had already heard rumors that he was going to be there that day. (laughs) So I was prepared. Man, that's awesome, though. (laughs) (laughs) I know I saw that. Not your post, but a post. And it was like, Eminem iconically shows up for surprise show. And I was like, what? That's crazy. Yeah, the Ed Sheeran show was amazing on its own. He didn't even need Eminem, but yeah. I don't know what decibel it got to in there. It was <laughs> it was wild. It was a wild time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least you made it out alive. Well, yeah, I was in a suite. So. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me. My bad. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I didn't realize I forgot who I was talking to for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know how i do i do i do so yeah there was no crowd trampling me or insane person like in my ear i was in a (laughs) 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 well-behaved suite where i was looking upon the peasants (laughs) plebs all of you i don't feel sorry for you i don't feel for you at all i don't even see you So. Oh, that's so funny. Well, yeah. Anyway, so that concludes. Back to Miriam. Miriam Makaba. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you do like the even just like the tiny little beat, we've all heard. Yeah, it's a song by. I'll heard it. It's a Jane J A I N is the name of the the organizer. Oh yeah. Okay. She's asking if she's beautiful. 
What's your name, beautiful? What What do you mean? The lyrics to the song. Makeba. Oh. Makebala. Okay. We all just bob our heads and think that there was some DJ that put it together. (laughs) Like we, you know what I mean? Like we're so dumb. Yeah, no, it's a real song and it's dedicated to her. So it's pretty good. I love it. I love how that shit, I was like, so I, you know, I've seen it, heard it. I saw beat Bill Hader from his 2012 skit. (laughs) That's where it came from, you know, but I saw a quick reel or whatever on it. And I was like, you've got to be shitting me. Who knew? I was going to say, were you really that inspired? You heard or mm. saw these reels no. of TikToks with the the old SNL Bill Hader skit? And no, you're like, well, where did this music come from? I no. must track it down. I need to know the root. No. So like, <laughs> but it had been in my head all day, like for days or whatever. And I was just like, boo, 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 boo. And then I was mindlessly scrolling and micro learning I like to call it now and what micro learning micro learning I mean is it considered learning if it's not retained I retained and created from it so yes well in this particular example typically speaking it comes back in some way shape or form eventually even (laughs) if it's just a random fact I'm validating this micro learning. No, I it. think that micro learning is 100% appropriate. I just was like, if you're retaining it, my retention rate is questionable at all times. It's basically non existent, but subconsciously, I still retain things. It's very frustrating. I mean, the way that my brain works, like, I still can't stop thinking about the, um, the, a pubic hair that you tie on. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like my photographic memory won't let me forget. Yeah, won't let me forget about the reel that you sent to me about women in the 1500s up to the 1800s because they didn't have. Okay, so they used mercury to treat syphilis. Mercury causes hair loss. Merkins originated from that need in that era of sex workers having to hide their mercury poisoning, whatever. But Merkins, you have to specify, are a wig for your your, down down under. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) Merkins are for your pubic hair and they're like a toupee for your puss. And women would... Women would tie them with a string. And my guess is that the, the candlelight, you know, really didn't fucking show a lot. So those drunk fools went in full tongue every time. <laughs> Just spreading syphilis around. All over the place. Uh, I mean, unless they were cured and they just didn't have their hair grow back. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they made it through the mercury right. treatments. <laughs> and right. they were just fucking insane. Right. And the, the, what did you just call it? The, the candlelight? No, the puss wig. What did you call it? <laughs> A toupee for your puss. Yeah. That. <laughs> Can you make that a shirt, please? Um, 
it was made out of a combination of hair but including human hair and i'm like so you were gonna put somebody else's crabs that's all i think about pubic hair on you that's all i think about (laughs) (laughs) i mean of course i had to like logically dig into like how this would be a successful product i just was not well, understanding I mean, how you wouldn't be able to call it out because it's flapping in the wind <laughs> it has two strings that you tie around your waist it's not like it's glued down again we gotta consider the time and demographic and i know the, place. the horniness level the desperation their beds were made of literal fucking hay okay the- i don't know what else to tell you <laughs> The drunkenness, <laughs> the poor lighting. Yes, we've we've talked about these things. Oh, uh, but dense. man. So, I mean, that's why I'm like, yeah, sure. I validate that micro learning is what you can call it, especially when it no. sticks with you. <laughs> <laughs> micro learnings all day. Sort <laughs> of doom scrolling. Well, and I, I will say I've curated my real, my insta to provide me with those micro learnings from reputable sources for the most part if it's not reputable i'd go figure it out on my own but it's a way healthier way to live in my opinion at this point if i'm gonna do it might as well learn <laughs> anyway you got any added girls or what <laughs> oh man um i'm on this like medical train right? I think I've used that for a couple of Atta girls. Well, so today I went and got my annual physical. Oh, congratulations. Just, you know, yeah. Checking things off the list here. Hope she's but, okay. Um, huh? I hope she's okay. Oh, I didn't have to do a pap smear. No, I'm talking about the temple that is your body. <laughs> oh, hello. Well, she's, <laughs> she's always slightly uncomfortable. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> The temple of my body, uh, my midsection likes to fight back and thinks that it deserves better, apparently. Um, I would say that of all of you, your stomach is the bougiest. It's really got an attitude problem. Um, However... Because I am knocking on 40's door. I just just a few days away. (laughs) A month and a half. A few days. I I not only, after my doctor appointment, went immediately and got my blood taken. I also then made my follow-up appointments. One for digestive health with a GI doctor because my tummy is the most sensitive bitch on the planet. <laughs> and then second made a mammogram appointment. It was oh, my girl. first one. Damn it. Now I got to do that too. Cause I, I just remembered I had got, yep. So I filled out my patient portals already. Good for you. I mean, I was like, let me just handle this all right now. Might like, as well carved out because otherwise it literally sits there in either my email or physically paper form on my counter for For like two weeks because who months for me 
Oh, I'm like, yeah. yeah, for me, it's like usually like two weeks. And then by the time you call, they're like, okay, well, we have an opening in four months. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it looks like our next available appointment is December 23rd at let's see, 4 PM. Is that work for you? No, bitch. No, I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when scheduling my mammogram, I was like, do I have to wait till I'm literally 40 years old? Like, do I schedule this for after my birthday? That's fucking hilarious. And she's like, no, they cover them now when you're 30 or older. Yeah. If you need. Oh, well, anyway, I'm glad that you're able to get in before your birthday happens. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm trusting that this girl knows what she's talking about. I you'll be fine. You're going to be there. It's literally, I mean, it's literally going to be a fucking couple of days. You'll be good. I'm glad. Proud of you. Congratulations. I had a girl. But you want to hear oh, yeah. an, an interesting piece of information that was offered up? I actually only saw the nurse practitioner today. I didn't even actually see the doctor. Like, I'll see the doctor when all my blood tests come back and everything. Mm-hmm. She goes, do you want a mammogram or a thermoscan? Yeah, they do both. And I was like, what? I don't know what that is. What is that? And she's like, well, they use heat. Oh, okay. And? Instead of radiation. Like a mammogram has is an x-ray, so there's radiation. Thermoscan uses heat. And I'm like, okay. I go, well, that sounds better. But um, what does insurance cover? She's like, oh, not this can. Well, what the fuck are you offering it for? Who has 75K in their back pocket to hand you for a mammogram? Well, it's $150. So if you wanted to choose that, but I'm like, of course, the one that's detrimental to your health by adding radiation is the one that's free. Of course, um, the insurance companies making that business hum. But yeah, I hadn't even heard of a of a thermoscan yeah. for your alternate, I guess, a mammogram. Yeah. And, so like, um, but yeah, similarly, I had to be smart enough to ask, like, well, I'm glad you did. How much does that cost? Or what well, does I mean, insurance cover? You know, you did spend all that time with your insurance company figuring it out. So good for you. You know, you, you have a new skill now, just questioning every insurance, anything for the rest of your life. Every doctor, every, every single, every office, thing. every piece of anything. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's like my twofold at a girl revolving around my boob health. I mean, I'm here for the boob health. Ironically, my Atta girl is also medical. <laughs> so look at us bitches getting our shit together halfway into the year. <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. Hopefully we encourage somebody else to get yeah. off their ass and schedule their appointment because it's important as hell. Yes. So my appointment was with my neurologist for my myasthenia gravis that I have. It was my first time meeting him in person. My um, previous neurologist actually passed unexpectedly. Crazy story. Uh, So new location, new doctor, you know, went through it all and made sure I had my little questions. I don't normally go in there with questions, but this time I was like, you know, I think that we could maybe shift some things. I asked some questions and I have some tests scheduled now because of it. We didn't shift shit, but we could. So um, I too scheduled those appointments right then and there so that I'd actually do it. I'm really proud of myself. (laughs) And then for you, I saw some appointments come through on the calendar for like February of next year. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. There could be that. 
But then um, I also am proud of myself because I ended up taking a half day off work so that I could just not have to worry about working mm -hmm. while doing all of this stuff. It's a full-time job to manage manage getting our diseases. Old. Yeah, it is. And getting old on top of it, like I, just, I need to make an eye appointment. It's, it needs to happen. I'm going blind. <laughs> Fuck. Well, that's dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, I can still read shit here and there, but, you know, I need to, like, figure it out. Oh, man. So, yeah. yeah, get your appointments. Go listen to all those songs. P-A-T-A, P-A-T-A, mm -hmm. Pata, Pata. You guys got homework because we want to hear I, about I've it. seen more and more women, maybe because I am getting closer to 40, and it is becoming, uh, I guess, a time for my friends of similar age to start getting mammograms and stuff, but uh, more and more people who are like having issues or full-blown cancer scares. And yeah. just, I mean, it's, it's bad. So yeah, a lady I work with who's maybe two years older than me, just going through it right now. And I'm like, I, I can't even imagine she just had one child. They're freezing her eggs. It's a whole thing. And I'm just, it's oh. fucked, it fucks you up, you know? Well, so I you, mean, not only does it fuck up your <laughs> physical health, but your emotional, well, yeah, exactly. mental, the whole game all the well-being, your financial health. <laughs> right. Freezing exactly. eggs is not cheap. No, it's fucking not covered. <laughs> no, no. Like, of course, that's goddamn very, thing. very elective and um, affluent. There are, yeah, there's a uh, storage fees for those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way. Every month you got to pay for your maybe child to survive another month. Mm -hmm. Just like at a you store it type place. Yeah, you can't. I mean, but you you forgo those payments and you forgo something that's real important. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this was meant to be positive. Yeah. <laughs> Still is positive. Go get your shit checked. And if you haven't and you're scared, text one of us find us we're here right? for you right you have questions if you're nervous we can walk you through it like we're no professionals but we're funny <laughs> <laughs> i honestly thought like one of the first things that came into my head was like am i gonna be one of those people with really dense boobs and they're gonna make me do it twice it's me that's i know me. i'm in the top one percent that's crazy so i have to go your boobs feel like what are you talking about? Everything feels normal. It's weird to me that I'm, they're like, you're, you're so, you're like one of the densest humans on the planet. I'm like, that's aggressive. And they're like, but really though, you're like very dense human. I'm like, okay, I get it. Thank you. Does it mean? Right, I'm like, is touching you like concrete versus me? It's like a sponge. <laughs> I do feel like I may be a little firmer than you. <laughs> like if we're going tofu ranges, I'm extra firm all the way. Right. And I'm squish. <laughs> Well, if you liked what you heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> tell your friends. <laughs> yeah, tell your friends to go get mammograms too. Yeah. Um, and we love you, you can... all, and thank you for sticking with us and supporting us and during this time of transition. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> From hand drinks to help, oh, my God. <laughs> hand drinks to help me. Mm-hmm. 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 
you can request the whole of history by emailing homeanspodcast at gmail.com or following us on Instagram at homeans underscore chronicles. You can DM us, uh, comment, and um, please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, there is homeance, uh merch on Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash Nicole Bonneville mm-hmm. and um some old school in your face uh nasty shit and <laughs> in the Facebook closed group called the Homance Chronicles of Judgment Free Zone. Yeah, hell yeah, homance out. <laughs>